Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast covering your favorite crew featuring Peter and David Go. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Go, alongside our co-host, David Go. We're excited for this episode, covering an interesting week. A lot of, um, kind of a high and low type of week for the Brewers. Some really good games, some really bad games, frankly, for the Brewers. Uh, but we're really here to cover that, uh, the, the week, as well as some other topics as well. So anything before we jump in, David? No, it was a really interesting week to cover for the Brewers. Uh, I don't know if I'd say necessarily exciting, but... There was a lot of uh, up and down, like you said, and it'll be interesting to see how they move on from it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, before I forget, our trivia question for today's episode, uh, which of the following four players has the highest Brewers B-War? So again, that's baseball reference, wins above replacement, and that's during their time as a Brewer. So uh, your four options are Sixto Lascano, Jeremy Bernitz, Moose Haas, and Corey Hart. So we'll give the answer at the end of the podcast. Uh, but be thinking about that. Who has the highest Brewers B-War? Sixto Lascano, Jeremy Bernitz, Moose Haas, or Corey Hart? So, let's just jump into it and recap the week. Brewers off on Monday and starting the week on Tuesday uh, against Detroit. Brewers falling in this one 8-3. to three. Uh, Adrian Hauser, another rough start, going four and two-thirds, giving up five runs. Uh, he has been a little bit dis- or has been disappointing, really, uh, this year. And uh, Brewers falling to the Tigers in game one, 8-3. Yeah, a little bit of a disappointing game. Hauser got hit uh, when he got into the uh, the third, or excuse me, the fifth inning of his work getting towards that third time around. And we've seen that as kind of a common theme, not only with Hauser, but with some of the other Brewer pitchers. And so even though they were able to actually have 10 hits, which is more than they have had really almost any game this season, unfortunately, uh, they they did still fall eight to three and Corey Knable came back that game. Knable had, uh, had seen some, some velocity increase in his time rehabbing at the alternate training site and has looked a little bit better. Uh, So that is one thing that's encouraging, maybe a little bit of a drawback from that game that we can find, even though it was a little bit of a disappointing loss in Detroit. Yeah, definitely. Knable did put up a scoreless inning there. Um, But yeah, not, not too much to note of game. You said Brewers, 10 hits, uh, left a lot of runners uh, on base and a lot of runners in scoring position, and just losing another game to the Tigers. The Brewers fell to 18 and 22 in that loss, and they followed up that game uh, with a slightly better game, uh, beating up on the Tigers 19 nothing uh, with an outstanding performance from Corbin Burns. We mentioned the high and low type of week. Definitely this one being a high. Again, Brewers putting up 19 runs on 21 hits, and Corbin Burns looking outstanding on the hill. Uh, all around, uh, great game. Really, best game of the best game of the season for the Brewers, both both offensively and the pitching was outstanding. Burns going seven innings, uh, eleven strikeouts, only one hit, and then Yardley and Lindblom pitching in the eighth and ninth. Neither of them allowing a run either. Um, but really, the bats just bats woke up. Um, probably helps their run differential a lot. Makes them look a lot better than they, than they looked the day before. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, nineteen nothing. Brewers taking this one. On Wednesday against the Tigers. Yeah, Brewers offense, of course, looked outstanding. They had 21 hits in this game. They set a franchise record for most extra base hits in a game with 13. Wait, and I gotta, and I gotta ask, where, where did you get that stat from? 
the most extra bracelets. Yeah. Oh, that was from our mom. Our mom. So yep. Peter and I are brothers. I think I think we've said that before, but um, but she mentioned that. Although I did see it other places, but we can still credit her. Definitely, we uh, with to. giving us the the stat. Yeah. And so uh, Brewers, though one of their one of the best games really in franchise history from an offensive standpoint, uh, we'll kind of we'll we'll kind of ignore the fact that it was against some some of the lesser arms on the Tigers. Travis Demerite being a position player, scoring four runs off of him in the ninth inning, but yeah, Brewers firing on all cylinders offensively, which was extremely encouraging to see. Yeah, absolutely, and it was the same day I believe as the Braves putting up twenty nine runs against Miami, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the Braves set a record for most runs scored in a National League game. I was really hoping. So I don't think they scored. They had one out in the ninth, and then they didn't score after that. And if they would have scored at least one more, they would have tied the record. Uh, that was the Rangers. They beat the Orioles thirty to three in two thousand seven. Uh, fun fact: somebody got—I forget who it was—but somebody got the save in the thirty to three game because it doesn't matter what the lead is if you pitch three innings at the end of the game and your team has the lead when you come in and uh, win the game, then you uh, you get the save. So <laughs> somebody got the save in the 30, 30 to three game. But anyways, yeah, the big the big encouraging thing besides the offense really was Corbin Burns, and we've seen Burns pitch well throughout the year, but this was a different level. Burns was mixing his pitches well. He's really been uh, going off, pitching off of the two-seam fastball, the sinker, and the the slider has been his made combination, and he's mixed in a little bit of that cutter um, and his changeup. The the four-seam fastball has kind of gone by the wayside. Yeah, he looked outstanding, uh, even if you just took a look at the highlights of some of the strikeouts he had. Uh, just absolutely painting. Uh, I believe there was he, he struck out somebody on a 99 mile an hour fastball, um, but he was yeah he was he looked outstanding was hitting his spots, um, and like you said he had, he's been pitching well this year but by far his best start um, in this one and setting himself apart as the Brewers' top arm so far uh, in the rotation. Yeah, some people are saying Corbin Burns for Cy Young. And at first when I saw that, I thought that was maybe a little bit of an outlandish claim. But then I looked into some of the numbers and Corbin Burns among qualifying pitchers, which is an average of one inning per um, per game. So, of course, they don't pitch every day. But if Corbin Burns pitches five innings every five days, he would qualify. And Burns is sixth in the major leagues in fan graphs, wins above replacement among pitchers. Uh, he actually, among the top 30 qualifiers and wins above replacement, he has the fewest innings among any of them, meaning that he's bad, better, really better on an innings-by-innings innings basis than anyone except Shane Bieber and Jacob deGrom. He's sixth in ERA, also 199 is where he's sitting at. And so I think when you look at some of that, you also look at the strikeouts per nine ratio, fourth in the major leagues. He's a guy that I think is a legitimate Cy Young candidate. I do think that it'll take a little bit more for him to actually maybe be in the running, um, like really like a favorite, since I think Jacob deGrom, he, deGrom has outdone him in total of innings pitched, strikeout rate, walk rate, ERA, uh, wins above replacement, so deGrom has a leg up right. on him a little bit there, but if Burns can string a couple more good starts together, Burns has a very compelling case for Cy Young, which would be quite the interesting turnaround, maybe Roy, Roy Halladay-esque. Halliday had the worst ERA in Major League history in a single season. I think minimum 50 innings with a, an ERA of 10.64. Burns had an 8.80 ERA last year. And I was reading about him, an article about him, 
And the author uh, on Fangraphs actually was saying that he got extremely unlucky last year and he's getting a little bit lucky this year. But beyond that, he was throwing four-seam fastballs right down the middle. He was getting crushed. So it wasn't exactly like he was getting unlucky because they were hitting the ball hard and really reworking his arsenal. Yeah, maybe he's not quite one of the best pitchers in baseball. And I don't think that people legitimately think that he's a top two pitcher in the National League, like like some of the numbers may say. But I do think that he's established himself as a really solid major league pitcher. And, and that's think, something that's coming out here. Yeah, and I think he and I think on a given day he can be one of the best pitchers in the National League. I mean, we saw it, we saw it on on Wednesday. Uh, he did look like one of the best pitchers in the National League. So I think he can look like that at, at times over a full season. Is he going to be a Cy Young candidate? I'm not. I'm not sure about that. But he definitely is a Cy Young candidate for now. Like you mentioned, Degrom. It's pretty. It's pretty clear that Degrom would uh, likely win that over him if the season were to end now. But you know, with with a shorter season, uh, like you said, he strings another couple starts like this or similar strong starts, and he could see himself right in that race. And Degrom has won it before. That may not make as much of a difference as it used to with the voters, but. I still think that does matter a little bit. They still do like to see um, a, a someone else who hasn't won the award sometimes uh, win that. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. And also, just looking at the leaderboards, I just want to point out Max Fried, who's a left-handed pitcher for the Braves. In 50 innings this year, he has not allowed a home run. Corbin Burns has only allowed one home run, but Fried has not allowed a single home run yet, which is extremely impressive. And... I would, based on Fangraphs wins above replacement, his um his the two guys that are ahead of him in the National League are Jacob Degrom and Yu Darvish of the Cubs, who we are quite familiar with uh, facing him very often. He usually his only good starts come against the Brewers, <laughs> but um but anyways, so Corbin Burns could yeah could be a kind of a dark horse Cy Young candidate, and which is a. I, a extremely compelling turnaround compared to the season he had last year. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't he couldn't stay in the major leagues last year, and to be able to transform himself over the off season and, and I guess a little bit during the season too. But yeah, just outstanding, good story for Corbin Burns and good good for the Brewers. Hopefully, he and Woodruff can be uh, a solid uh, one and two in the rotation. However, that turns out, uh, but good to see from the Brewers. So again. Brewers winning on Wednesday, Burns looking outstanding, the offense opening the floodgates, 19 to nothing. Brewers winning that one against the Tigers in the series finale there on Wednesday. Brewers with an off day on Thursday, and then opening up a series against the Chicago Cubs. An exciting game on Friday, Brewers winning this one 1-0, and another great outing this time from Brandon Woodruff going seven innings. Uh, John Lester really matched up with him well, going six innings as well, uh, without giving up a run. Uh, the only run coming from a Ryan Braun sacrifice fly in the ninth to win it for the Brewers. So a walk-off sack fly for Ryan Braun, and the Brewers take uh, game one, one to nothing. Uh, your thoughts on this game, David? Yeah, I watched actually up until the uh, the eighth inning. I wasn't able to finish the game, but Woodruff looked outstanding. Lester really looked pretty good, too. Maybe it was just a case of the Brewers hitters being bad. Um, that also could maybe explain for it. But Woodruff was hitting his spots. I mean, he was hit right on the corner. Nottingham did a great job receiving. I think that that was also a big thing. And potentially calling the game, that's not really something that you can tell as a viewer. The sequencing, what of that is the catcher, what of that is the pitcher, especially with a young rookie catcher. But either way, Nottingham, I thought, did a great job behind the plate in that game. Woodruff, though, was really the, the guy 
that you look at and say, Woodruff looked like an ace. Even David Ross was saying that, who's the Cubs manager. John Lester was saying that, that. They said, if you need a guy in a big game, Woodruff is probably a top 10 pitcher in the major leagues. They were saying that he's a bona fide ace in that category. And while he may have struggled over a couple of starts recently, I think that this was a, a huge outing for him uh, to kind of get him back on track. Right. Also, an interesting thing to note that uh, Woodruff went seven innings, one hit, no runs, no walks, 12 Ks. Entering Wednesday, the Brewers in franchise history had one such start of seven innings or more, one hit, no runs, uh, no walks, and 11 or more strikeouts. I know it's a little bit specific, but it's still overall, I think it, it if you limit the hits and you don't walk anybody and get a lot of strikeouts, that's really the signs of about the best possible outing you could have. If you take all of those games, entering Wednesday, one such game in franchise history, and then back-to-back games, Wednesday with Burns and Friday with Woodruff, putting together two outstanding outings. I thought that was really encouraging to see also that even though the offense may not have been able to deliver on Friday, the pitching was able to pick them up a little bit. Well, more than a little bit because right. Woodruff, um, even beyond him, Devin Williams and Josh Hader, both uh, both having very good outings. And so uh, Brewers able to take that one one nothing, a really well-played game. Yeah, good game. Uh, good game for the Brewers. A well-played game, fun game to watch. Like you mentioned, Woodruff going seven and then the Brewers going to their typical 8-9 combination of Devin Williams and Josh Hader. So yeah, Brewers combining uh, between Woodruff, Williams, and Hader for 16 strikeouts. And, and I was just realizing the, the 99 mile an hour spot that I was talking about with Burns. I believe that I might have been mixing that up and that was Woodruff. Uh, but yeah, Woodruff uh, hitting his spots. And even like you mentioned, some of those where he really w- he was hitting his spot, but the ball was, you know, half a ball or a ball out of the strike zone. But really getting some of those calls because he was really just hitting his spots. Uh, looked outstanding. Yeah, just reiterating all the things you said. Um, good confidence booster for him after some shaky starts uh, for his standards. And uh, a well-played game. Brewers taking that one one nothing in the series opener against the Cubs. And the Brewers following that one up in Game 2 on Saturday. Uh, a disappointing game for the Brewers, losing this one 4-2. to two. Uh, Brett Suter ended up making the start after uh, Brett Anderson was scratched uh, due to hip tightness. And so Brewers deciding to bullpen it um, as a result. And had a 2 nothing lead going into the ninth uh, before handing the ball to Josh Hader who has been very good uh, again this year, uh, but unable to get the job done, uh, giving up a four spot uh, and a couple of hits. And uh, yeah, Brewers blow the lead, which, you know, we've been accustomed to a good bullpen for a long time. The Brewers do not blow a lot of games. So it is it is a little weird to even have the Brewers hand the ball to Hader with a two-run lead and, and end up losing the game 4-2. to Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hader coughing up those those two home runs back-to-back, first being a three-run shot. And it was disappointing to see after the extremely strong collective effort by the bullpen. It wasn't so much of a case where we saw a guy like a guy like um, Woodruff or Burns dominating the lineups, but it was, it was a collective effort. If you combine Suter, Peralta, Yardley, Claudio, and Williams, who were the five pitchers that pitched leading up to Hader, they combined to go eight innings, four hits, no runs, two walks, and uh, 10 strikeouts. And so um, even though, yeah, it's not like a starting pitcher dominated, the bullpen basically acted as a starting pitcher and dominated in this game. And then 
Unfortunately, Hader wasn't able to get the job done. And realistically, you can't expect Hader to convert every single save opportunity. Right. Like you said, we've been accustomed to it. Yeah. But but I do think that that it is a little bit disappointing. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's one of those things where it happens from time to time. And, you know, you you kind of you you move on and you go to the next game which right. wasn't really any good but um also <laughs> Brent Suter three innings six strikeouts no walks Suter who's not really a strikeout pitcher usually has 11.74 strikeouts per nine this this year which is outstanding that's um that's even well above average for a relief pitcher and so um Suter and his walk rate is really low and so Suter's been been in Really good out of the bullpen. What is his? Uh, uh, what's his tumbles per nine innings now? Tumbles per nine innings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's uh, it's about the same as his walk walks per nine <laughs> this year. That yeah, was, yeah, he was, that was Suter. Yeah, the, the the tumble on Saturday uh, while Suter was in the windup. I guess it was it was in the windup, so it wasn't a balk. Didn't cost him anything. Nope. And he did land it. I'd, yeah. I'd give him at least an eight or nine on the mm-hmm. landing. Yeah, I don't really know what would uh, what other, what would happen if other pitchers did that on the Brewers. Like, I can't imagine, like, Burns or Woodruff being able to, like, recover from that. I can only imagine if Matt Elbers did that yeah, last year. Yeah. It probably would have been, like, tripped and, like, takes, like, four recovery steps and falls <laughs> over. Um, but Or Dan Vogelbach. Yeah. Jeez, if I was kind of hoping that Suter would, like, pop up and throw the ball, like, all in one motion sort of thing. But then yeah. it would have been, like... Maybe it would that have been a pitch? I don't. I don't even know. I don't think so. Uh, well, if it crosses home plate or the equivalent of home, like home plate extended, then it counts as a pitch. If it doesn't, then uh, it's a balk. Or in this case, it right. wouldn't have been anything. Right. Yeah, I learned that actually because one time a couple of years ago I was pitching. Oh, that's right. And I tripped over. I tripped over the mound, and I was like, all I was like, I'm just not gonna pitch it. But I realized there was a runner on uh, second, I think, and so I I was like, well, I'd rather take the ball. And my plant foot had already landed, but then I tried to still throw it, and it was rolling around, uh, like across the ground. We were like waiting to see if it was going to cross home plate, and it stopped maybe about five feet before home plate. So it was a balk. Oh, come on. So I I learned that the hard way, but <laughs> um, but yeah, good thing that Suter didn't didn't try to yeah um, didn't try to do that. But yeah, uh, that was that was probably maybe that wasn't the highlight of Saturday's game. But if it yeah. happened on Sunday's game, it would have been the highlight. That is true. Yeah. But yeah, I just real quick, uh, I, you talked about Hater's ninth inning appearance. Uh, very surprising, rare to see giving up hits back to back to Rizzo and Hayward. I believe it was um, Hater. Uh, I mean, rarely gives up hits in general, but to give up back to back hits against lefties, uh, very, two strikes on Hayward too. Yeah, very very uncharacteristic, um, and yeah, just we're just accustomed to lockdown Josh Hater or before that Knebel and Jeffress. Um, it's been a long time since we've had. Uh, it feels like a long time since we had a game like that where a two-run lead and ended up losing, putting up a, giving up a four spot in the ninth. But yeah, yeah, like maybe said, dating uh, back to the Derek Turnbow days. Derek Turnblow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Eric Gagne. Yeah, Gagne with yeah, maybe. yeah. Oh wait, yeah, the start was, of the year was... before Solomon Torres took over. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Torres. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the Brewers. Fun fact: had, the Brewers had uh, Axford, who was really good. Hoffman for mm-hmm. a year, like yeah. And K Rod, K Rod was like uh-huh. was underrated. He was good. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. Brewers have had Jim Henderson. Oh yeah, big Jim. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but the Brewers have had a, have had pretty strong closers over the last ten plus. Years, Agreed. Yeah. Considered. Fun fact, actually, uh, talking about the 08 Brewers closing situation. If the season would have happened like normal this year, 
Tim Dillard's pitching coach, who we, we talked about Dillard in a couple, a couple episodes ago, um, but Tim Dillard's pitching coach would have been Brian Schaus this year. Teammates on the 08 Brewers. Brian Schaus is actually 51 years old now, believe it or not. 08 was, I think, his last year in the major leagues after a long career. He debuted in 1993, actually. Yeah, I know. But um, but interesting that that he... Um, I didn't realize he was already yeah, 39 at the time in 2008, whereas like I think Dillard was 25. So it's not like Dillard was like a baby or anything. We're right. not talking about like a 20-year-old. Right. Um, but still, kind of interesting that 12 years later, of course, Tim Dillard's still in the minor leagues. Yeah. And yeah. By the way, quick plug, Milwaukee Milkmen, the American <laughs> Association team, up 2 nothing in the championship series, two wins away from a, from a, a championship, even if the Brewers might not bring home a championship this year. At least maybe some Milwaukee baseball team right. will. <laughs> yeah, Tim Dillard's on the team. Henderson Alvarez. Uh, he's a, another he's former. Roche. David Holmberg. No, he's on the Chicago Dogs, okay. who are another team in that league. Clint Coulter is also in the That's league. Right. Former uh, Brewers minor leaguer. Angel Ventura for yeah. another Brewers farmhand. Catcher? Blake Aleman. Pitcher? So, pitcher. Okay. Ventura's on the Milkmen. Blake Aleman is another former Brewer minor leaguer in another team in the in the league. But either way, yeah. Um, so Coulter's actually facing them right now as their a, a right fielder and bullpen catcher. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's when he's when he's DHing, he'll catch in the bullpen sometimes. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess we're just trying to avoid the inevitable and yeah. talking about Sunday's game. Twelve nothing. Um, Brewers get no hit. All right, so we can move uh, fun, on after that. Yeah. <laughs> fun fact: um, the only two no hitters at um, at Miller Park in the history of in the history of Miller Park, were both by the Cubs, but this is the first time that the Brewers were no hit. I, I know that you know this pretty well. Too well. Um, but yep, Carlos Zambrano threw a no-hitter against the Astros in 2008 at Miller Park since there was a hurricane in Houston, and so they uh, they decided to play the game at Miller Park. Our dad promised us to go to the game. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're still disappointed about that. <laughs> He, he said that we were going to go to the game, and then last second he changed his mind. Uh, we were still pretty young, but but he yeah. changed his mind, and then Carlos Zambrano threw a no-hitter. And Well, knowing, yeah, knowing the situation, we that. probably would have had to leave in the seventh inning anyways yep. for school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was at the Ryan Braun walk-off Grand Slam game. Were you? Yeah. yeah I we mean, were you were both, probably yeah, there. We were yeah, okay, the, I thought you were there. Yeah, yeah against Jesse yeah. Chavez, Pirates, I think. Yep, yep. He, Jesse Chavez is still pitching. Yeah, also, by yeah the way. we left early on that game, too. So for, yeah. for the parents out there listening to this, don't deprive your kids mm-hmm. of uh, Ryan Braun walk-off home runs, or maybe mm-hmm. Christian Yelich walk-off home runs, or Eric yeah. Sogard walk-off home runs. <laughs> yeah, true. But but yeah, yes, Zambrano. Yeah. I do remember that no hitter quite well actually. Uh, it is kind of an interesting mm-hmm. fact given that the Brewers weren't playing in the game. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. Brewers no hit, twelve uh, nothing. Yeah, yeah. I heard that actually the Brewers' um, batting average on the year didn't even decrease uh after hitting zero for the game because it's already so low <laughs> um but they actually their team batting average was 213 i think two weeks ago and then after the game against the tigers it was up at like 255 oh that's uh, which right. is a, yeah. a pretty quick turnaround but yeah hauser four innings seven runs only two of them were earned but he didn't look good even the scoreless uh the first three scoreless innings that he pitched i wasn't impressed he his command looked off he overall hasn't looked very good this year, uh, which is unfortunate, but also a short season, so it's kind of one of those things like, would he have gotten it together had it been a full season, or will he, will he still right. have a couple more successful starts? Because we still have two weeks left, 
So that's something that we can uh, we can look at. Also, Arcia with a little bit of a better ninth inning pitching performance than Josh Hader. True. Arcia one inning, two runs only. Yeah. So and he didn't I'm, allow any home runs. Yeah, I might I might go to Arcia next time in a in a close in a, game uh, yeah. for the closer yeah, role. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I yeah I'd consider and it. And he's got high socks. Uh, True. So, yeah, I mean, and you see the shimmy forty nine mile an hour curveball. <laughs> Josh Hayward or J- Josh Hayward, Josh Jason Hayward, Hayward uh, followed it off. Who's Josh Hayward? <laughs> Yeah, no, um, speaking of this game, who was it that I saw? I, I think it was Mills threw a 68-mile-an-hour curveball. Um, I think I saw one of the Brewers pop out. I, I was, in this game, 12 nothing Brewers lost. It, it seemed like the Brewers had a ton of really, really weak contact, like a whole bunch Only of... Only five strikeouts yeah, compared to three walks yeah, for Mills. So like a whole, that, I saw I mean, so, many, so many infield pop-ups and little flares... Like that, either mm-hmm. to the infield or just barely got to the outfielders. I mean, just a lot of weak contact. Um, but yeah, Brewers no hit. Uh, Hauser again, poor start. Fireisen came in after, uh, gave up a pair of runs as well in two innings. Uh, Corey Knable made another appearance, giving up a run in in an inning, and then like you mentioned, uh, Arcia pitching in the ninth. Uh, I forgot to mention Rasmussen going in the eighth. But yeah, Brewers losing twelve nothing, no hit. Um, just three base mm-hmm. runners. Uh, not, yeah. Not Can we also else. mention that Alec Mills' XFIP, which is a fan graph stat, actually got worse after this game. <laughs> so entering the game, it was at four seven five, and now it is at five. Er, now it's at four point eight. Um, it was five point oh four for the game since he only had five walks per nine and compared to three. Excuse me, five strikeouts per nine compared to three walks per nine for the game. Yeah, kind of um, a disappointing but, game for him all around. But I yeah, did hear the answer I know, yeah. say. Uh, that he was a college walk-on, which is kind of cool. Yeah, at uh, Tennessee at Martin. Yeah, and uh, like a 20th round pick. Yeah, yeah. so that, that is kind of yeah. cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think about mm-hmm. um, just seeing Jacob Nottingham here in the lineup batting ninth? Uh, not necessarily, I mean, he's hitting 160 so far in the year, but getting a lot of the playing time. You mentioned him a little bit, looking good behind the dish with Brendan Woodruff. What are your thoughts on the amount of playing time that he's had and as a result, Narvaez has had. I think it's been pretty good because even though he might not be hitting that well, Narvaez is hitting horribly. Narvaez just looks off right now. It's one of those things where I almost wonder if he might be non-tendered in the offseason. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule it out for sure. Yeah, we didn't give up. Especially, we didn't give up a yeah, ton for him either. Right. So that also might um, might cut it. I mean, we we non-tendered scope after giving up. I wouldn't say a big haul, but. Um, but uh, some value yeah. there, so I could I could definitely see it. And Narvaez, when he's not hitting, isn't really producing any value because he's not good defensively right. a catcher uh, for the major league standards. And so I think Nottingham, as a result, has a little bit of a leg up there. I think Nottingham, we've been seeing him get more of the playing time. This was really the first game where he caught and the pitching staff didn't pitch well. I think entering entering the game today, pitchers for the Brewers, had about a 1.5 ERA this year when caught with Nottingham, caught by Nottingham, I should say. And so I, I think that's something that, that the Brewers are certainly considering. Yeah, Council knows that. Nottingham's actually been playing about three out of every five games. Yeah, It'll be interesting to see if they continue that. What, what are they going to do with Nottingham after the year? Another guy who's also at the alternate site is David Freitas. So if the Brewers are considering non-tendering Narvaez, would they consider 
perhaps designating him for assignment now and bringing up David Freitas. Freitas actually was the AAA batting champion last year. Granted, it was with the 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 juiced ball and in the Pacific Coast League, which is an right. extremely hitter friendly environment already. Nonetheless, he won the batting title. I think about 380, and so uh, so we could see that that yeah, uh, maybe playing a, into into it. Yeah, I wouldn't be a fan of non tendering. Um, I'm sorry, uh, letting go of Narvaez at this point. I think it would be premature to do that. Um, even if they are considering it at the off season, I think it would be premature. I don't know that it would be. I don't know that they would have had given him enough time to prove himself. But then again, Justin Smoke didn't exactly have a ton of time to prove himself either. So, like you said, never know. Mm -hmm. um, has not. He has not uh, done much for the Brewers since coming over in the off season. It'll be interesting to see because Narvaez is more of a an offensive guy. Pena's a defensive guy, but Nottingham and Pena both are a little bit better on the defensive side of things. I think that Pena is good enough where he could be at least an average everyday catcher. And when you have Nottingham there as his backup, you don't lose anything out. I know that the Pirates, for example, they were big on making sure they had a guy who was really good at pitch framing back when Russell Martin was their starting catcher. So like Chris Stewart was a guy yep. that they brought in um, to supplement Martin when he wasn't able to catch. So I think that that might be something that we can see. And Nottingham has made so much progress since his uh his first year in the organization that was back in 2016 actually i remember he had a walk-off home run in uh in spring training at maryvale yep. yeah, yeah we were at the game yep um and so that feels like so long ago yeah that was, was, I remember back, he was that, chris I, capuano was on the brewers oh that's right yeah but yeah. nottingham was uh, nice enough to stop after the game and i i think i he signed my ticket and hit wrote walk-off mm -hmm. home run on it i probably still have it somewhere but yeah that's right i do remember that Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so I think that Nottingham could uh, could come into play with their plans, um, and David Freitas is interesting to see because he's another guy who really could should be I think a backup catcher in the major leagues. He won the batting title last year in AAA, but he hasn't really gotten that much of an opportunity yet, and so it'll be interesting to see perhaps designate Narvaez for assignment already, maybe don't. It's kind of un uncertain a little bit what you do, although I, I do think that they probably will decide to keep Norvias for the rest of the year. Either way, though, they do have some options there at catcher, at least. Yeah, yeah, and P yeah, you're right. Pena, to, not to discount Pena, he is a, a, he is a pretty decent catcher, very good behind the dish, and an occasional uh, power bat. So, yeah, Pena's not too bad, and we'll see if Nottingham can keep up his strong defense, maybe put a little bit of offense together. And who knows, maybe we do rely on that that combination next year. But either way, long ways away, worry about this season for now. Uh, so yeah, Brewers falling 12-0, uh, being no hit, and finishing the week uh, going 2-3. and three. Now sitting at 20-24, and 24, four games under, sitting at third place uh, behind the Cubs and the Cardinals, who uh, they will be uh, heading to St. Louis to start a series against the Cardinals now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Brewers actually will be playing the Cardinals at home, but then next week they'll be heading to St. Louis That's right. to play the Cardinals. They um, they have to make up a full series, so I'm not exactly sure why, but they're making up the August first game tomorrow, and then or today, I guess, Monday, and then they're making up the July 31st game on Wednesday, which of course it doesn't matter, but I don't really know why they decided to put <laughs> yeah. it like that. But a, a five-game, three-day series against the Cardinals, um, and then followed up by the Royals at home. So they'll be having um, one more interleague rival come into town. 
Uh, also interesting because these are all teams that they used to be in the same division with um, outside of, well, actually the Tigers. The Tigers took the, the spot of the Brewers in the AL Central when they came over to the National League. However, the Tigers were with them in the AL East. But anyways, five against the Cardinals, three against the Royals, and then next week, three against the Reds before going and playing uh, four, uh, five day, excuse me, before going to St. Louis and playing a five game, four day set with the Cardinals and that will end the year. So 10 games against the Cardinals. The Cardinals are only a couple games in front of the Brewers. And so that this is really going to decide the season, these two series against the Cardinals, and then just hopefully being able to take care of business against both the Royals and the Reds. Yeah. Two games back behind the Cardinals, like you mentioned, 10 games against the Cardinals. So uh, no, nothing but opportunity for the Brewers to take over that second spot in the Central uh, if they if they're able to succeed in the ten games against Cardinals and like you said take care of business especially against the Royals uh, winning hopefully at least two out of three against them and uh, ideally taking two out of three from Cincinnati who has underperformed this year as well so yeah Brewers absolutely still in the race as we've talked about just about every podcast with the with the uh, expanded playoffs Brewers still in the race and and we'll see uh what they're able to do going forward uh and so uh one thing i did want to mention we were talking about how how good burns has looked uh how good woodruff has looked uh but two other arms that have been outstanding this year for the brewers uh specifically devin williams who we've touched on before uh but williams uh as a rookie this year it seems to be a potential rookie of the year candidate is that something that you see him having a legitimate opportunity to win? I think so. I think that if he doesn't have a, a legitimate shot to win, that means that no reliever really ever will have a legitimate shot to win that award. If you look at the rookies in the National League, his main competitor could be Jake Cronenworth. Cronenworth is a, an infielder with the Padres. He is hitting 315 right now, 539 slugging, 1.3 wins above replacement. He's been a very good position player with the Padres so far. But also, I think that that when you look at that, you say, well, he's been a good, he's been good. Williams has been outstanding, even though Williams might not have the volume of work that Cronenworth has since Cronenworth plays every day. Cronenworth's been good. Williams has been maybe the best at what he does. So I think that that's also something that should be taken into account. Oh, and look at maybe some of the other pitchers in the NL. Tony Gonsolin, he's pitched 23 and two-thirds innings, which is just about um, three, four more innings than Williams as a starting pitcher, 0.76 ERA, which is very good, but five starts. Are you really going to give someone the rookie of the year off of five, or maybe, maybe it's seven right. starts by the end of the year? I don't think that you really can, especially when you look at Williams, 17 appearances so far. Realistically, I have to think he'll get at least five in the last two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe even six or seven. So I, I think that Williams has really as strong of a shot as we've seen any Brewer have at Rookie of the Year since Ryan Braun. Yeah. 0.47 ERA, 18.47 strikeouts per nine. Um, I think that leads the major leagues among all relievers. Yeah. Uh, let's check that. Yeah. Uh, it's tied tied for the, the major league lead among relievers. His ERA, I think, is the best uh, ERA that's not zero. So Drew Pomeranz of the Padres, who was with the Brewers last year, he has a zero ERA. Um, although Pomeranz has only thrown 14 innings compared to Williams' uh, 19. And maybe it'll be Devin Williams' one loss. He's 3-1. and one. Maybe that'll be the, <laughs> the deal breaker. 
But also, Freddy Peralta, he's 10th in the major leagues and wins above replacement among relief pitchers. 2.75 ERA, but he has struck out over 16 batters per nine. Brewers bullpen's been outstanding. One guy, though, who's been struggling a little bit lately, we mentioned Josh Hader. Maybe not so much as struggling, but not been quite as good as he had been uh, before. I think that that's something that will kind of correct itself. Again, a short season, small sample size. And Hader, he had that horrible outing against Pittsburgh. And right. then this year, lately, he's been a little bit better up until the Cubs outing. He had the blown save against Cleveland, but two hits, right. walk off, okay. I, I don't think it's too much to be worried about, but I do think that maybe it will hinder his trade value a little bit in the offseason. Maybe it maybe it, it provides a little bit of a better um, opportunity for the Brewers to keep him, and then perhaps they trade him at the deadline next year. We don't know how things will shake out next year, of course. But it, it could be an avenue that they choose to uh, to explore. I don't think that we'll see him traded this offseason, but I do think that it's something that could happen. Yeah, I think I think there's not too much to be worried with Hader. The track record's there. Uh, I think he will step up like he typically has in September and into the playoffs if the Brewers are able to make it. So I think Brewers fans still have their confidence in Josh Hader and, and Devin Williams. is only helping that uh, with other MLB pitchers around the league marveling about his changeup as uh, really has emerged as one of the top pitches in the game. Um, even when mm-hmm. you look at, uh, not to go too far into the numbers of it, but Changeup has been outstanding, and uh, his his excellence pitching in the eighth will only help Hader uh, going forward. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Although I do think that something that they should consider is moving Williams to the ninth and mo- using Hader as that fireman role in the seventh, eighth inning, like we saw him back when we had Knabel and Jeffress. Uh, I, I do think that that's something that the Brewers should consider. I would actually be in favor of that, although I understand if they don't want to change that in the last two weeks of the season. Yeah, any, Maybe. any uh, concern with Williams being a rookie as well, pitching in the ninth inning and close games going I, down the stretch? I definitely think that, that that could come into play. I don't know if that's something that will necessarily, like, definitively hinder him. And so I think maybe kind of like if it ain't broke, don't fix it yeah. kind of mindset. Yeah. Uh, especially with just a couple weeks left in the year. Right. But I think it's something that we could see, and Devin Williams might end up closing some games in the last couple weeks. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows with Craig Council and his uh, bullpen and bullpen fun in September should be fun to watch. Should be some some good games upcoming as the Brewers face the Cardinals. So, yeah, Brewers coming up against the Cardinals. Uh, I do want to mention one other thing before we head out today. Uh, new uh, blog post up, uh, written by uh, our co-host here, David Go, on Daniel Vogelbach. So definitely recommend checking that out. Uh, not too long of a read, but some good stuff on on Vogelbach. Uh, just an interesting player dives into a little bit of the underlying stats and his last pu- last couple of years. So we'll see how he's able to perform in Milwaukee. Uh, again, you can check that out on our blog. Uh, David, what's that link? I always forget what it is. Uh, so our our blog uh, website would be bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com. That's right. And then just click on the blog section there, um, or you could just do backslash blog dash two. Uh, for whatever reason, that's what the URL does. We, we don't have two blogs. We only have one, but yeah, otherwise, for whatever reason. Anyways, now that we've given is. you all these different ways to, to get there, you could also probably just click the link in uh, the episode details. But either way, one way or the other, you can get there, read our most updated blog uh, post out on Daniel Vogelbach. So highly recommend checking that out. Uh, as a Brewer fan, go learn more about uh, Vogelbach, an interesting guy with an interesting past thus far. So 
And an interesting baseball body. Yeah, interesting. That that too. <laughs> so anyways, uh, I think that's really all we have for today. Uh, the only thing uh, before we head out would be the trivia question. So start of the pod, we asked the trivia question. Uh, in case you forgot, uh, today's trivia question, who has the highest uh, baseball reference wins above replacement uh, in their career? And options being Sixto, Lascano, uh Moose Haas, Jeremy Burnett's, or Corey Hart. So, David, any guesses on that? Yeah, just want to clarify, this is in their Brewers career? Correct. Yes, that is correct. Okay. Um, so, it's kind of interesting because we got a couple pitchers. Um, actually, one pitcher and three hitters. Um, Moose Haas, he pitched for a while with the Brewers, but I'm going to say no Moose Haas. Um, and then... Jeremy Burnitz was a little bit more one-dimensional than the other guys, so I'm going to say no to Jeremy Burnitz. Sixto Lascano, let's see. I'm going to go with Sixto Lascano. That is correct. Yeah, Sixto, uh, top of the list of those guys, uh, sitting at number 14. Didn't he have like a six or seven war season in 1980? Yeah, uh, in 79, he had uh, wins above replacement of five for the year. So yeah, that, that is a very solid year. Uh, Lascano... Uh, at number 14 for the Brewers with 19 Brewers career war. And uh, the other three, Jeremy Burnett's, Moose Haas, and Corey Hart, sitting at 22, 23, and 24 in that order. Burnett's, Haas, and Corey Hart. Corey Hart with 15.4 war with the Brewers, uh, but did have a really strong year in 07. He actually led the Brewers in wins above replacement that year, even though Fielder hit 50 home run, 50 home runs that year. Um, but yeah, Hart had a Hart, Corey Hart had a, a a kind of quiet, quietly good Brewers career. He did battle with some injuries as well. Um, but yeah, Sixto Lascano at the top of the list uh, in order: Lascano, Burnitz, Haas, and Corey Hart. Anything before we mm -hmm. sign off, David? Um, I'm just looking at the 2007 Brewers uh, position player page. Um, Prince Fielder and Ryan Braun compare uh, combined for. Negative five wins compared to average defensively in 07. Um, not a great look. Um, although they were able to kind of subsidize that with JJ Hardy, who was 20 runs above average wow. defensively, who then which is great. With Uni B. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> and then uh, Craig Council was very good defensively, as was Tony Graffinino. So always trying to get the Tony Graffinino, um, just <laughs> random brewers into the podcast. Yeah, for sure. Anytime we get Tony Graffinino name in the podcast, it's a good episode. So Yeah, two more stats actually quick. Joe Dillon had a 133 weighted runs created plus in 2007. I didn't actually realize he was there in 07 already, uh, but that's outstanding. He hit 342 in 82 plate appearances. And Matt Wise with a 462 weighted runs created plus. He had one plate appearance and it looks like he hit a single. So... <laughs> Uh, 462 weighted runs created plus that year. All right, so it's got to be a good episode. Then we had Graffinino, Matt Wise, Joe Dillon. We're just like we're just missing Aaron. Elmer descends. Oh, I was gonna say Ernan Arabar. Arabar. What is it? Arabarin. Arabarin. Yeah. Yeah. He was in 08. There we go. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Oh, now we got him in there. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We'd appreciate if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Make sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Brewers Podcast.